What is up, church? Good morning. Super Bowl Sunday. I, first off, I can tell in the room when we're just ready to sing, right? And uh, with this series, that's going to go really well. We'll get into all that in a second. But uh, we're not done worshiping this morning. So if you still got something in you, which I believe you do, uh, then, then hold tight to it. It's coming. Uh, let me do the, the, the um, obligatory survey uh, let me, not, we're not raising hands today, we're going to clap, we're going to make some noise. So if this is you, if this is true of you, then just make some noise, clap, whatever. If you not only don't care about the Super Bowl, but don't even plan to watch it, let me hear from you. I want to I give some love to you. We talk about sports so much um, because we love Jesus and uh, there's some of you that aren't into that and we, uh, you're welcome here. We see you, we invite you and there's something beautiful about not having emotional attachment to a game. So thank you for being a part. How about this? You don't really care who wins the game, but you will tune in mainly for halftime and commercials. Okay. All right. And now, if my math is right, what is the minority in the room? Those that care who wins the game. If you need the L.A. Rams to win, let me hear from you. L.A. Rams. I've been, a, I've been a sports fan my entire life. I have, I have never met an L.A. Ram fan, personally. I have it. I'm sure they're out there. And if you are pulling for who day, if you are hoping the Cincinnati Bengals win tonight, let me hear from you. All right. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. So we got that uh, out of the way. Um, the beauty, right, is... As a, as a church, we have all kind of agreed, if you're, we'll talk about this at Welcome to Relentless that Raph mentioned, we've all agreed to kind of come around one team, our local team, the Carolina Panthers, as a church, right, and to be together in that. And together, together is the word of the morning, it's kind of the word of this series. It's, um, you know, we keep using the same phraseology, we keep talking about coming out of or this new season. The reality, uh, if not the hardest, one of the hardest things about where we've been in the last two years, is it's very difficult to do anything together, right? We, we tried to do some Zoom small groups together, which it was better than nothing. It definitely was, but it's not together when it's not together, together, right? In the room, together. So it's so, it's so encouraging uh, to look at our, our church calendar, if you want to call it that, and like we got stuff happening, right? For, for the last two years, like we just didn't have a lot that we could do, especially together. So Raph did a great job running through all those things, but it's not that just that we're serving at With Love From Jesus this Saturday is that we're serving together, right? It's great to serve, and that's meaningful, but it's, it's, it's the body of Christ, our specific, if you're part of Relentless Church, like we're serving together. And I know we got stuff going on, but if you haven't been out to With Love From Jesus on a third Saturday, like, come on, uh, you can sign up, but you don't have to. We just want you to come serve together, do things together. Welcome to Relentless is about, hey, I don't, I'm not looking for a place where I just sit and and come and Sunday and then go home. Like if you want to be a part of, of what we're doing together collectively, then you got you to gotta get to that and sign up. We're super excited. That's two weeks from tomorrow night. We're, we're studying uh, the, the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament, the second gospel. It's a document. We believe the Holy Spirit sourced this document that's all about Jesus, his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. Um, if you're on our email list and you got something this weekend, uh, I think we put it on all of our social media stuff, uh, but it also should have come to your inbox. And that's just a little video that, that we shot that's called uh, Why Reading the Bible is Overrated. 
right? So it's not about reading it. We're not trying to read the Bible. We're trying to interact with God through his word, right? And if you'll get in on that, if you've never read scripture in your life or if you've read Mark 100 times, it's for all of us. But it's the idea, even though we're not coming in this building and reading it together at this time and this season, uh, that, that we're asking God to speak to us together in the same text. It's a chapter a week. So if you don't know anything about what I just talked about, you're like, what, we're reading Mark? That's all right. All right. Um, join with us. We start Mark 4 today. And you can catch up on the first three chapters or you can skip them, right? No, no judgment. But Mark, we're doing a chapter, not a day, a chapter a week. It's going to take us through Easter and a little past. And we would love to do that together. And this series that we start today, Behind the Music, which again, if you were around for VH1's documentary series, that might ring a bell for you. Um, it's about worship, and it's about worshiping together, right? So we're building towards March 20th. We really felt called and strong that that is the time to, to fully come back. Now, we've been coming back in steps, but we're bringing the coffee back. We're bringing two services back uh, for a lot of reasons, right? It's not just because we don't have enough seats in here, because we do have enough seats in here right now. We're expecting uh, folks that we've never met to be here in the next month, and we're expecting folks that we haven't seen since January, February 2020, when this all started, to come back. You guys that are online, we're so thankful that it's hard sometimes to tune in online and to be distracted free, and we're so thankful that you have, and even this morning, continue to. Uh, we have four more Sundays that we're going to stream this service live, and then we're, we're done, right? And the main reason we're done is because we do not have the capabilities. It's not sustainable. We don't have a 10-person tech team and all this stuff. Like, it's been really challenging and complicated. And even when we do everything right, as you guys know in our online crowd, even when we do everything right, there's still glitches and still stuff and audio and all that stuff. So March 20th is our day where we're calling everybody to come back together um, also allows so many of our volunteers who right now they're serving in our kids' rooms um, and they don't get to come in here and be a part of this togetherness, right? Uh, it's beautiful what they do, but we were always designed to be a church where you could serve a, a, a service and then attend and worship in a service. So all that is coming back. And in that, we wanted to drill down into worship because worship in the pandemic has been challenging, right? Especially when it's online, but even as we came back and, and we're worshiping, some of us are worshiping in masks, you know, and, and it's hard to sing in masks. It's hard to preach sometimes if you can't see. I know through the pandemic, I know you were laughing at my jokes. I just couldn't see it, right? So it was a lot of faith built in that. So all of that, we're, we're kind of realizing we got to relearn some things, right, as a church, and we're excited about that. We're not scared of that. We're excited about it. And worship specifically, there's a thousand ways you can worship. So don't ever buy the lie that worship means singing. But specifically, God's heart, it was his idea. It wasn't some of us that can't sing, right? Well, I can sing. Nobody, somebody say, I can't sing. Yes, you can. Everybody can sing. Some of us that can't sing well, right? We, we sometimes think, you know what, back in the day, whenever they started singing in church, it was all the beautiful voices that like, hey, let's sing, Right? It was their idea so they could show off their voices. You know that person in church when you're growing up that they keep singing after the song's over? Like they hold the note out ways. Like you just want us to hear how pretty your voice is. Stop. Right? So, but if you study, that's not the, the deal. The deal, God cares very, no, not very little. God cares none how pretty your voice sounds. In fact, if your voice doesn't sound pretty, you know whose fault that is? God's. Right? Like he gave you the voice. I had a worship guy one tell me, he said, I can teach anybody to sing beautiful. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a gift. I, it's teachable. 
And I said, you're an idiot, right? That's not true. Right? You, can't, you can make something, right? You can make something ugly a little less ugly, but you can't make it. Be like, that's a God-given thing. So we celebrate mankind, right? Whoever's singing, I don't even know who's singing uh, the national anthem tonight. Whoever's singing, like they better be able, they'll be able to sing. And that's great. In here, God does not care. We do not. It's not about pretty, right? It's about worship. And specifically, worship through singing was God's idea. It was his idea way back before Jesus even came to earth for his people to sing out loud. Like it moves his heart, not because it sounds good. It's the collectiveness. Me me and my my boys were at a Carolina Panthers game. Um, Let's go ahead and start in faith. Let's start planning how we're going to, we're going to do something different on the Sunday when we're in the Super Bowl. All right, so let's go on and by faith, figuring out, because today it's the Rams and the Bengals, we'll be all right, but we got to have a plan in faith when that comes in a year or two or 20 or whatever it is. But we went to see the Panthers this past fall, and we went to see them, you know, in Charlotte, and they're playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and we're walking in the parking lot, and there's all these Philly fans, and I don't even remember how it's over, they start the E, hey, and they got this credible Eagles chant, and then they got a song, all right, if you know, like the fly Eagles fly, and, it's, and we're, we're walking through the like the, the, the lobby place going to our seats, and it, they don't know each other. Just somebody starts this stupid, and then they're all singing their song in our stadium, right? And then, and then we start off the song really, or the game really well, but then they started coming back, and then they start, E, A, and then it's like this multitude, and they come out of it like, where? I didn't know we were surrounded, and it's like flooding our stadium with their chant. Right? And what do we got? I love our phrase. I, we preached on it. It's from God. Keep pounding. Like, that's scripture. But our, but our chant is like, keep pounding. Keep pounding. It's like, bleh, bleh. And they're like, E-A-G. I was like, I'm so jealous because they got a song. Right? And they all know it. And they all sing it. And it's powerful. Right? And they don't know each other. They're just on the same squad. That was what God gave us specifically when we're talking about this series, worship and music. He wanted his people that that may not have a lot of other things and they may not look the same, live the same, you know, all this uh, same issues, but that they would come together, one thing, not thing, one somebody would unite them and that would flow out specifically in our worship. Right? As a multi-ethnic church, the, question I, the number one question I get from pastors who are not leading a multi-ethnic church but would like to know more or whatever, the number one question I get, what about worship? How do, how do y'all do that? What do, what do you mean? <laughs> we sing to God, right? Yeah, but if, you, if you've got you know, Latino, Hispanic, white, black, like how, how, do you, how do you do that? Right? And what has happened in the last 20 years specifically since we started last five years, it's the multi-ethnic movement of churches, like worship, like there's a beautiful congruent side by side as the multi-ethnic church is building in America, the multi-ethnic worship movement is building as well, which we're super blessed by. So what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take some songs that have been dear to us as a church. Um, some of them are, are a little more new to you, perhaps, and we're going to preach those songs, Right? Not as a gimmick of like, no, but, but because the songs carry in them messages. And our goal would be when we get to March 20th and we have our first day of two services, I don't know what the worship set is, that day doesn't matter. But when we get to that day, 
Like we'll have retrained our minds and our hearts and we will be volcanic, like building, like we will be ready to worship, collect, excited. And, and I believe some of the lyrics that we sing, let me say this, some of the lyrics that I sing, I have forgotten. I've been so busy, I got an excuse, right? When I'm, when I'm over here worshiping with y'all, just sitting in the second row, standing in the second row, we don't sit in the front row anymore, just so you know. I love my kids. Sometimes it's not the easiest deal in the world to be a pastor's kid. And, and my kids, one of my kids just months ago is like, hey, do we have to sit in the front row? Absolutely not. There's nothing in the Bible about that. We'll not. So, so I'm over here in the second row and I'm thinking about the you know, message and I'm thinking and I'm trying to like focus in and worship and stay in the lyrics. And it's not just me. Right? You're sitting there and you got things in your mind, sometimes good, sometimes bad. There's a lot going on in us. And what we need to do is drill down on what we're actually singing and the power of it. So we hope this series, each week we'll break down a song and our heart as a multi-ethnic church is that we'll be singing the same song with life and that, that there's power in knowing the same song. Some of you you want to sing bad, you just don't know the songs yet, right? We'll, we'll catch you up, and this series is going to help in that. So today, uh, we're going to do a, a song by, by Maverick City. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk a lot about them in a few weeks, but Maverick City is a group that is changing the game as far as worship, not just in America, globe, like it's, I've never seen anything like, we'll get to that, but this uh, is a song called Gyra, and, and I'm going to show you just a few clips so that you can start to get the the, the vibe of the song and let these, let these lyrics start right now to do in you what I believe God might want to do in you through them. So check out this first clip. I'll never be more loved than I am right now Wasn't holding you up So there's nothing I can do to let you down It doesn't take a trophy that's yeah come on when we're in the car we're singing that's my part right there sing it naomi i always hit the sing it naomi i i nail that every time i, was, I had two choices i could either sing or i could show a clip and i blessed you you know it just occurred to me it just occurred to me like i you know we've we've been I'm telling you, it's just a God is at work. Uh, but I'm sure there's people online and people in the room like you, Maverick City never heard of that. That's, that's fine. We love you. But like that should change your week. Go find them, get to know them, fall in love with them and, and pray for them because they have a platform and, and there's an enemy that's real and not happy. But, but, but man, that, I, I, that verse right there, those four lines that, that we just heard, I could preach a series on that. Right? Sit in the power of those I'll ne- that's gospel. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Right? I know it's hard. I know you, th- you know what? I did, I did know we were studying Mark. You said that a few weeks ago. I meant to. I haven't gotten into Mark or I tried to get to Mark and I got distracted and, and something happened and I got a call and I hadn't thought about it again. And now here we are. We're in chapter four already. I'm that far behind. Or, or you're online. You're like, man, I want to be back. But every Sunday morning, something in my soul and I just end up, you know what? It'd be easier to be online. Or, or maybe you're watching this on Wednesday and you're like, man, I just, I'm not, I don't have it together. I'm so far. But listen, okay. But you know what's true? You've never been more loved than you are right now. 
our flesh always defaults to performance. It always defaults to how am I doing? And I must because everything in my life is based on how I'm doing and rewards and earning and all this. So God must be the same way and he's not. We've got to sing it to ourselves and to each other and to God. I've never been more loved than I am right now. You're like, Pastor, you don't know, you don't know what I did. To, I don't need to. That's still true. It doesn't have to be complicated to be powerful. And then he says, wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I could do to let you down. Man. You know, in in different small group settings through the years, I like to ask a question. I didn't think of it. Um, But it always creates debate and interesting argument. And I don't think there's necessarily a right answer because it's semantics. It's how you hear the word. But I ask this question. Do you think that you can disappoint God? Do you think that God gets disappointed in us? And usually in a group, there's some people that aren't sure, and there's some people that are really confident, yes or no. Right? And again, there's not necessarily a scriptural correct answer because when I say disappoint, how you hear and think about that word is going to affect where you go with that. When I hear disappoint, I go back you know, to, to that, they say, you know, the worst thing you can hear from your dad, like that was true. Like he would get mad and stuff like that. But the hardest moments I had with my dad when he was just quiet and he said those words, I'm just really disappointed in you. Oh, say anything, anything but that. So when I hear that, can God, I, I hear, man, my dad had an expectation that I didn't meet. My dad was confident that I would never do this or that I would do this. And then in a moment, I didn't live up to what he thought I would be. And if that's the definition, then I don't believe God is ever disappointed in us. Because he already told us that all would fall short. He is never dropping his jaw like, what did you just do? Now, he is heartbroken over our decisions, over our rejection, over our rebellion, because he knows what it'll do, what, the damage we do to ourselves. So, so don't hear anything different. But man, I, I don't have to hold God up. I, I'm not going to let him down. Like it's all, every, the weight of my life is on him and his grace and the gospel, not on how well I behaved this week. In fact, my behavior flows out of his love for me. It's, it's game-changing stuff. And he says, it doesn't take a trophy, right? Again, a lot of us, and it depends on, like some of you had great dads. Some of you never met your dad. Some of you had a lot of stuff in the middle of that spectrum. But a lot of us, we hear the word trophy. We think about, man, did our childhood, and, and what did I have to do to get attention, and what was praised in my house? And for some of us, whether it's athletic or academic or whatever, we just didn't get a lot of anything unless we achieved. And then when we achieved like, that's the only way we could get the attention that we craved. And, and there's a God who's not proud based on our performance. He's proud, the series we just finished, he's proud based on our faith. That's what moves him. We, we talked about that. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Here, here's how a quote we love from Tim Keller. It says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believed. Yet at the very same time, we're more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. It's a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. Now, if you know the song Gyra, 
You know, it's going to take about three hours to get through it. We're not going to, I'm not going to preach you the whole song. There's just a few things I, I want to focus on. So check out this second clip. It's the next little part. Going to a storm, but I won't go down. So here, let's say this. There's some of you in the room and online. You're not going to a storm. Right? Things are not perfect, but things are okay. Like there's nothing super heavy on your heart or your life right now. <laughs> we need to say that more. That's okay. It's good to be in a season of blessing. It's good to be in a season of obedience. It's good to be in a season of faith. You know, the beautiful thing about storms is after the storm, the sun comes up. Storms don't, that's what's been so hard. Some of you feel like, I'm in a two-year storm right now. Like the sun's going to come up. So if you're in a season of life, not where things are perfect, but things are good, don't hide that. We, we need to hear that. We need to celebrate that. So if you're not going through a storm right now, you didn't do anything wrong, right? That's, that's beautiful. Like sing, celebrate. But eventually, right, there's, there's toughness, there's seasons, there's storms, there's waves, there's challenges. And we don't dread those like normal humanity, because not because of us, but because of Jesus and how he does his best work in the storms. And, and this verse is speaking to you that are. Like the reality is you don't have to hide it either. You don't have to be ashamed of it. You don't have to act like you're not. If you're in a storm, you're in a storm. It's not even your fault most of the time. Sometimes we do some self-inflicted storms. But either way, man, God loves you in the storm. You're attending right now in your living room or your car, online church in the middle. Everything about the enemy wants the storm to cause you to give up. And here you are with us doing the best you can on your laptop. That's powerful. Some of you this morning, the storm in your life, the first thought you had when you opened your eyes was not, relentless, 10, 15, let's go. Your first thought was, ah, oh, it's still true. It's still on me. I'm scared. We need these lyrics going through the storm. I hear your voice. Right? That's why we got to stay together because together we hear his voice talking and carrying and doing all his beautiful work that he does in the storm. It says, it says you, would, you would cross an ocean so I wouldn't drown. Where's that in scripture? Where's the verse that says he would cross an ocean so you don't drown? Nowhere. That's nowhere in the Bible where it says, beloved, I'll cross an ocean. Right? And you get artistic freedom when you write songs. It's beautiful. But it is scriptural. Right? How do we know that? The gospel. We believe that your life and existence, my life and existence forever changed. The only reason we're gathered in a room doing anything is because everything changed 2,000 years ago when a God of holy righteousness, relentless love said, I've got to have my people close, so I'm going to change everything was the plan all along. I'm going to send Jesus in human form to live a life. We're learning all about how he taught and what he did as we read through Mark and to eventually die on a cross 
and raised from the dead. That's how much I love you. So you can take the, the love of God demonstrated in the sacrifice of his son to die our death. You can easily get from there to, hey, he would cross an ocean so you don't drown. Because he did way better than that. He sent Jesus to earth to die on a cross so you don't have to pay the price for your own sin and, and be a slave to death and hell. So coming across an ocean to like, that's all in there. It's all packed in the gospel. And some of you know that. And I, I love that you know that. But God's saying you don't need to just stop at knowing it. You need to sing it. Let it resonate and soak in your storm and whatever you might be walking through. Let me, let me show you one more clip, third clip of our song. telling you, your week, your week may totally change if you'll pump that on your drive tomorrow or as you get up or wherever you're going. This whole song is based on a word. If we had to sum up, I mean, the name of the song is Jira, but, but enough. Jira is not an English word, so let's use a word that we know. It's talking about being enough. Um, I remember my girlfriend at the time, wife now, Kelly, she helped me with an assignment in college. I mean, honestly, she helped me with a lot of assignments in college, but a specific assignment. I don't even know what I was taking. I, I, I majored in ministry and, and Bible classes, but we had to take, you know, normal college classes. So I don't know what it was, uh, economics or health or new, what we had to do a, a budget based on food. So we had to, we had to turn an assignment where we went to the store and bought all the, well, no, we didn't buy them, but we pretend bought all these ingredients and what we cooked and how much it cost, whatever. And I, you know, like, Kelly, please help. So we went and I did that assignment, but in that um, was somewhere around there, maybe uh, after that, um, that she made the French toast that I talk about all the time, my wife makes. And, and somebody like, I've talked about this French toast because it's, it's heavenly. And I don't say that like as a cute adjective. No, it's actually not of this world. Like that's how, if you're like, hey, I want to taste this. Like, don't say that. Don't ask her to cook. Like she doesn't make that for you. That's a, that's a, so just take, that's my, but it's like, it's, if I wasn't a pastor, like, we could make a living. We could shark tank this French toast, but it's not about that. Um, but, but back in that season and then after that, I, I remember that assignment because we were newlyweds and, and we were poor and trying to figure out, like, and I was, I was like, hey, how much do the ingredients to French toast, what would it cost for us to eat nothing but French toast for a week? Like, just breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and again, times have changed, right? Uh, inflation. But then we could eat for 30 bucks a week, the two of us. 
If we ate French toast for every, now we didn't, I would have been all about that. We never did that. But we like, hey, how bad if it gets really tight, we can live on 30 bucks a week, every meal for, and it was about 25 bucks, and then the Dr. Pepper to go with it, obviously, right? <laughs> so that's, that's what we do. And like, if we have to, right, that's what we could, like, what is enough? What, what is that you have to absolutely, like, you can't, if, if bare bones, like back in the day when, when Survivor was a t- like you could bring one thing, like what? And this song is making the case, like if you just, if you can't have anything else, there's a God in heaven that actually, not, not in song, not on a test, not in mental, like in actually in your life, when everything is great or everything isn't, there's actually a God that, not, that he's not saying he's enough, that if you walk and trust him, that your story will be he is enough. Wow, that's a God. That's a God our world is hungry for. But the hard part is, how do you actually know if something is enough? The only way to really know that something is enough is if that's all you got. And nobody that I know is like, sign me up where I lose everything but God, right? And, and we can get really dark and heavy, and, and that's really not what is packed into this word, not packed within this song. It, it's, not, it's not when you don't have anything else is God enough, although he is. It's not about losing everything to find out that God is enough. It's about, as Jesus said, losing yourself Giving, surrendering your life for him, and in that finding your real self, it's about really dependence on him. Because you're like, well, you know, God, I don't want to talk about God is enough because I went through this crazy hard time, and, and, and I don't know where God was, but I had this friend that walked with me so faithfully and so beautifully and loved me and grace and all this stuff, and, and I don't know about God is enough, but, but man, this person, this friend was everything to me in that. And that's great. And I think God would gently say to your heart, who created that friend? And who sent that friend? And who had walked with that friend years before so they would have a little bit of empathy and understanding of how to walk with you well. Like God shows up in a thousand different ways. God being enough doesn't mean you're alone in the desert with nothing but your Bible. God being enough is that whatever you're walking and wherever you're at and whatever you're dealing with, God has a way of getting to you. And what he wants from you is not to be miserable in his enoughness. What he wants from you is dependence. That's how you have a testimony that he actually is all we need and all the stuff that we say and sing, that he's the constant, right? To choose, to believe that he's enough. The word Jaira translated, we preached this a few weeks ago, just means the Lord will provide. And it comes from Abraham who, who the multi-ethnic church was born in Genesis when God said, through your seed, Abraham, I'm going to bless all nationalities, ethnicities, races. Like he was calling his shot that through your line, your genealogy, eventually your offspring of Abraham through generations would be a savior, Messiah, Jesus, which would change and create a new Israel, a new race, not known by their skin color, but known by who they belong to. That's, that's, the, that's what was, it's great if he did that, you know, 2,000 years ago, but he did that thousands of years before that through Abraham. 
So Abraham's kid is a big deal because Abraham, you know, and Sarah, they couldn't have a baby and they finally have this miracle baby and Isaac is that baby and then Isaac is the one that God says, Abraham, take Isaac up on the mountain up in the woods and sacrifice him and kill him. Well, that's so messed up. So if you're like, what in the world? Like, go listen to the message that we, we kind of unpacked that a little bit. But for this morning, God never intended to kill the child or have Abraham kill the child. He wanted to know Abraham's level of dependence. So Abraham was like, you promised all this stuff and you've been good. And now the only way to get to the promise you said would be through this kid. And now you're telling me to kill the kid. And he assumed, we know later, the Bible talks about the faith of Abraham. We, he assumed that God was doing something that he couldn't see. That was his faith that was credited as righteousness. And God was and God did. And God said, no, no, right, you know, before it happened, he said, no, don't harm, don't touch the child. And he provided a sacrifice, a ram in the thicket, in the bushes that was a foreshadowing of the lamb of God that would come to take our sacrifice for us. It's amazing how this one story is woven through entire humanity in scripture. And in that moment when Abraham saw what God was doing and that his child was going to be fine and, and he, had, he, he, said this, it's amazing, he said this word that we're singing this morning. He said, Jireh, translated to English, the Lord will provide, or maybe a better translation today, like the Lord will come through. The Lord is clutch in your life. Like what in the world is happening? Everything. Like the Lord provides, the Lord comes through. The Lord provided everything in Jesus. I want you to taste that, not just in a song, but in your own life. I think, church, I think we're living for things that are less than. We're devoting our lives to things that are less than because we don't believe that God is really enough. We think there's things that are so temporary I think, that, I think things that are so temporary are what it's all about. In the moment, like this is everything. And in reality, it's not anywhere close. It's so here and now and not forever. And I'm, I'm willing to give heart, mind, schedule, money, attention, and energy to things that just won't matter. And, and, I, think, and I do that. Why do I do that? Because in the moment, I think they'll satisfy. I think they'll, like, Wet that appetite that I have for, for whatever, and they never satisfy long-term. Listen, the only thing that will satisfy your soul is relationship, tightness, intimacy with your creator. It's the only thing that lasts. Your most satisfied moments of your existence, if you don't know this, the most satisfied moments of your existence are when you're fully dependent on him. Not your easiest moments, <laughs> But your most satisfied moments is when you're fully surrendered and dependent on him. Some of you have lived that. And it just ties a lot together. You know, we have this other, Jesus says, you know, one time, and he's talking to his guys, he's like, hey, you know, it's impossible for the rich people to even get to heaven. And they're like, well, time out. Like, we're following you because we thought that probably would end in richness because you're like the king of kings, so it's probably going to go well for us. A few of them came from some money, not many of them, but some, like, and they were, they were impressed by rich people in the culture. Like they put, and now here's Jesus. Like, no, it's impossible for rich people to get to heaven. They're like, what are you talking about? And Jesus is like, well, with, with what's impossible with man, all things are possible with God. And they're like, Phew. all right. Why would he single out rich people that it's so much harder? Why? Because of dependence. 
Wait, we live in a first world country and in the grand culture of the 8 billion people, almost all of us are rich. If you have running water, if you have a vehicle, all that would make you rich in the grand scheme of things. And, and Jesus is saying what we have found to be true in 2022. The more you have, the harder it is to depend on God. Because it's just natural to start to depend on what you've earned or what you've accumulated or what you have. What satisfies, though? We know it's not any of that. God is enough. I don't know where you're at in your walk, in your faith, in your life, but I know that God is enough. But you got to learn that with your own faith, with your own dependence. And you may be at home getting ready for whatever you're going to do or watch the game with whoever in a few hours, and, and God is going to move in this song that we're going to sing here in a minute. And, and you may be like, you know, it was cool in the moment in church, but now here I am sitting by myself, and my issues haven't changed and I'm supposed to believe that God is enough. Don't, don't hear that God being enough means he's going to instantly change and do everything that you want him to do. The issue is not him fixing, it's you depending. You just depend. Like, he might fix. Like, I don't want to speak for him. Like, he's got, he's got answers for whatever you're walking through, but we would get so laser-focused on fix, and God is so laser-focused on depend. And we're action-oriented, some of us more than others, right? We, we will not sit still because when I'm sitting still, I'm not fixing and things need to be fixed. And God says, be still and know that I am God and depend, packed into that verse, depend on me. I'm much better fixer than you are, but we're not getting there because I want full dependence. That's what I love. My grace is sufficient. There is power church. Some of you think we come in and we got a template. We got to sing a few songs. We got to do some announcements, maybe show a video, and then we got to preach. And if we don't do that, like we'll lose our Jesus card or as a church or something. So we got, you right? It's not that. And I know it can get routine and we got to fight through that. It is the power of us with all of our different lives. Some of us aren't Christians. Some of us are still learning of, do I want to trust Jesus? Some have been following him so long. Some of us left church and have come back. All the stuff we got going. The power of coming in here together and stating truth. Together collectively, Jaira, you are enough. Not just for me. We talk about whatever you're going through this morning. We, talk, we say that a lot, and that's fine. It's not just about what you're going through. It's about somebody on your row and what they're going through. We're interconnected, the body of Christ. Like, we care for each other. We carry for each other. There's, there's power in collectively worshiping and reminding each other, ourselves, and the universe. God is enough. There's, there's a line of this song that, that was in that last piece. It's probably the most powerful to me and the most catchy. It's the one I just sing around, just not even thinking about. It, it says, I will be content in every circumstance. Right? This entire song is like just plucked straight from Scripture. Like Chandler Moore and Naomi Rain, like they didn't come up with that line. Paul did, but the Holy Spirit gave it to Paul who was the godfather of church planning, the godfather of multi-ethnic church, a guy who hated Christians and tried to, tried to delete them from existence until Jesus got a hold of Paul's heart. He ended up writing more of the New Testament than anyone else. So if you're not sure about Jesus or you've been far from the Lord, like you got a lot in common with Paul. And he wrote a letter to, to a church in the city of Philippi, modern day Middle East. And he penned those words, Philippians 4, he said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He was talking to him about what the church needed to do. He said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. That's such a hard, like I wish, 
I wish he would have said, I've learned to be content in most circumstances. Give me a little out. But he said every, that's how it translates, all circumstance. And you may not know he was writing this. This matters, church. He was writing this from prison. Right? If he's in the palace with, with somebody like doing his, giving him a pedicure and he's sipping on a mojito on the beach, I can be content whatever the circumstance. Paul, go on. He's in prison. The reason he's in prison because he won't stop talking about Jesus and it's going to cost him his life. There's no like amazing recovery. He dies. He's executed because he won't stop about Jesus. He was a hardcore Pharisee, Judaism. Jesus isn't legit. And then Jesus got a hold of his heart and he went and planted churches and got in trouble with the government and arrested and eventually killed. And in this, where his freedom has been taken away, he writes a letter through the Holy Spirit to the church. And in that letter, he says, whatever circumstance, I've learned the secret to contentment. I have joy and peace even Right now, he says, I know what it is to be in need. Verse 12, I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. In every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want, I can do all this through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. Now, we have verse 13 attached to that paragraph. It's really popular to put on T-shirts all by itself. I can hit a home run through Jesus who gives me strength. It's a little bit of a warped version of what Paul's talking about. I'm sitting in prison, I'm probably going to my death, and I'm content because he knew, Jairo, he knew that the Lord would provide, had provided, and even in his death, the God of the universe provided, and that that God is enough. Isn't that strong? Because the truth, the truth is true, whether whatever, but the truth and the testimony go together, right? The truth is God is enough, but the testimony that he's sitting in prison through the Holy Spirit telling us that, hey, I'm seriously, I've figured this out. I've had it go well, and I'm in a tough spot, and, and all that. I can really find true joy through Jesus, through him who gives me strength. The source of everything is Jesus. Because he's my source, I can get through this. I will get through this. Paul's alive today in forever. We'll see him. We'll shake hands. We'll dap him up. Paul, what was that like? Thank you for that. Is Jairo your favorite song? I got a lot of stuff to ask him. This is real stuff, but his testimony matches up with truth. That's what we want for you, not just to know that there's a God that provides, but to have a testimony, and so many of you do. The ones that will sing this song the loudest in a second are the one whose testimony already backs up this truth. You've seen the Lord provide. Maybe some material stuff, nothing wrong with that, but this is way, way deeper than that. I was looking around our staff meeting this week uh, with Takesha and Seth, Raph and Joy. And I was just talking about how, how we need to sing this song. We as a church, yes, but we as a staff. All right, so, so don't think like this is a week one of behind the music. So let's like, this is, there's nothing elementary about this. Right, as I go around our staff and not, not just that we need to believe that God is enough, we do. We need to sing that God is enough. 
We need to declare it together collectively in worship. You know, I think uh, just about what our staff is, is walking through. Takesha is in the back with the, with the kids. Uh, she's brilliant and gifted to lead kids ministry. We're so blessed to have her. But she took this job in January of 2021. She doesn't know what it's like to lead anything at Orleans Church except in the pandemic when it's harder than ever to get volunteers and get things going. It's been challenging. She works for us part-time. She has multiple other jobs. She's, doing, she's, she's a gifted woman, so she, she's doing a lot of things, and this is a big part of her life, and there's some things that we can't figure out right yet, right? And it's just like, man, is God enough in that? You know, I look at, at Joy, and as a, as a single African-American woman continuing to trust on God, you've heard so much of her testimony and and, and God calling her to this foster care to adopt and continue to pray the prayers and, and trust God as she does so amazing and, and sometimes feel like, what's hot? Like, well, I'm doing my part. Like, and knowing that God, we got she knows that God's enough, but she needs to sing it. Raph, that was up here earlier, and I, I joked with him this week, but it really wasn't a joke. I literally, I can't remember how many kids he has. Right? He's, I got it figured out now. He has three, and then they adopted this precious Penelope, four-year-old, bringing a four-year-old that you don't know and she doesn't know you into your family. That's not, that's not for lightweights. On top of being pregnant here in a few weeks, so they went from three to four. They're about to go from four to five. There's a lot going, and they just moved. And he's a pastor working with your teenagers, my teenagers, and associate. All like this is a lot. Like he doesn't need. He needs to sing it. Seth up here. And all that they've walked through, if, they know, if you know Seth and Stephanie's story and, and tragedy and trauma and just do here in a few weeks with, with a baby and the prayers around that and the emotion around that in addition to raising his two awesome kids and doing all he, he also has a full-time job outside the church in addition to all he does here. And, and, and there's a lot of us that have had breaks and we haven't had service. Like the only ministry that took no break for two years was, was Seth, worship, video, tech, all that. Man, he needs to sing this. And I was in the room too. I never led a church before Relentless. I've never led a multi-ethnic church before. I've never led any church. The first church I've led is Relentless, multi-ethnic. I'm figuring it out. And I definitely took not one class on how to lead through a pandemic. And I look and, you know, trying to figure out where are we and who are we and what are we. And I don't just need to, I need to sing this song. And I could go on and on just looking at Bonnie and, and my wife and Will and Mackenzie and Joe and Deb and what we've been praying through for Tashana and Trey. Like there's nobody on this stage that doesn't need to declare and be reminded and filled with the truth. It's not a song. It's a living God that wants to provide and show up in your life. And there's power in truth, but there's power in God's people declaring the truth. Together. I love online church. It's been a gift, but it is not the same as what we're about to do. There's a God who knows your name. You'll hear about that later in this series. Right now, whether you know this song or not, just stand, sit, sing, don't sing. That's personal. That's you. But we want to declare that there's a God named Jairo that will provide.